Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, which is a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. I come to you each morning at about 9 a.m. and uh, we do continuous readings through the scriptures, especially uh, right now in the book of Acts and in the book of Romans. All right. It looks like... Ah, I see what's going on here. <clears throat> Give me one moment. Uh, yeah, let's do it this way. Hold on a second. Yeah, that should be better. Now you should be able to hear me a little bit better. Okay. Uh, all right, so let's get the devotion up on the screen. And we begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We say our memory verse for today together. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, there we go. That's our memory verse for today. Unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, verse 20. Our psalm for this week is Psalm 119, beginning in verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your just decrees, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your just and righteous decrees. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my freewill offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your just decrees. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, before we continue, it looks like we're having uh, some internet issues. Let me make a change. I'm going to go offline for a moment, and I'll come right back. Okay. I'm back now. I'll give it a few moments. Hopefully, uh, it'll resume streaming here for you in a second. All right. I think you're all probably still connected. 
Hopefully that worked out. I switched servers. Uh, we'll go to Romans chapter 11. I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at the pres- this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. For if by grace, then it is no longer of works, otherwise grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace, otherwise work is no longer work. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear, to this very day. And David says, Let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see, and bow down their back always. Okay. Um, So, what are we talking about here? We're talking about how um, the faith is a gift from God. It is of grace. It is a gift. The Lord preserves his church and preserves his people and his remnant, right? Not by their works, not by their own effort. This is really important when it comes to uh, life in a Christian congregation, because most often um, the congregation believes that it is really up to them to make or to break uh, the future of the congregation. But it is rather, um, the congregation is a gift from God, uh, pastor, staff, school, whatever, you know, whatever ministries you offer, these are given to you by God, and they're preserved by him, um, if only you will allow him. Now, obviously, there's the second half here, um, Israel, who were blinded. Why were they blinded? Well, that's what we'll get to tomorrow in the next part of the reading, okay? All right, so we'll leave that off till then. And now our reading from Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 17 today. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you, and uh, taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God, and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound to, in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. 
for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch, and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way, by laboring like this, that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. All right. Looks like it's going to be a sketchy internet day, but okay. (laughs) Uh, It improved now, but uh, who knows? All right. Uh, So let's do some catechesis on this text. Uh, Who does Paul, or whom does Paul ask to come to Miletus? Remember, he uh, had kind of skipped around a little bit on his way to Jerusalem. Yeah, he calls for the elders of uh, Ephesus, which we see in here in verse 17. Of course, what's another name for elders, especially in the book of Acts? Yeah, that's a name for pastors. So these are the pastors of the church of Ephesus. Um, And what did he remind them of? First, verse 18 here. Yeah, in what manner I always lived among you. How does Paul describe his life in their midst? Verse 19. Yeah, he served them with all humility with many tears and trials uh, which happened to them. Now, what had caused their tears and trials? What does it say here? Yeah, it's right there. The plotting of the Jews in verse 19. Hmm. Remember, that's why he had fled the way he had because of the Jews. All right. What does it mean that Paul kept back nothing that was helpful? Right here in verse 20, he says, I kept back nothing that was helpful. What is it? But proclaimed it to you. Ha, that's why he preached what is needed, right? Repentance towards God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ, both publicly, he says, from house to house, right? So he he himself explains what he means by what is uh, helpful to them. What had the Holy Spirit repeatedly revealed to Paul? Where does it say that? Yeah. Holy Spirit testifies in every city, verse 23, saying that chains and tribulations await me. All right, hold on one second there. I'm going to start and stop here again and switch servers another time and see if we can't find a server that's going to work better. Hold on. Okay, I'm back now again, so we'll pick up where we left off here. All right, so remember, the Holy Spirit repeatedly revealed to Paul that chains and tribulations awaited him in Jerusalem. All right. Um, what does it mean that Paul did not count his life dear to himself? He says here in verse 24. 
I do not count my life dear to myself. That's another way of saying that uh, preserving his life was not the most important thing for him. All right. Why didn't the coming tribulations deter Paul from going to Jerusalem? Well, here he uses the language uh, that we talked about from uh, Hebrews as well, right? And it's also used in Philippians chapter 1. He desired to finish the race with joy um, through his continued ministry of the gospel of grace of God, right? To testify to the, so to finish the race with joy, not knowing um, how this race is going to end, at least in the earthly sense, right? Of course, where did he get this idea from? Well, this would come from Jesus. Uh, think of Matthew 16, right? Uh, why don't we just go there so you can hear it? Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? Right, And that, that teaching of Jesus dominates the preaching of Paul. We see it not only here in Acts, but also in his epistles. The preaching of the cross, right, to finish the race with joy. Of course, the race meaning, uh, referring to the brief life we have here on this earth, uh, which we saw back in uh, Acts 13, um, Paul also uses the same language in 2 Timothy 4. So let's look at that. Um, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, or not to me only, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. All right? So we have that picture presented frequently. Um, the word properly referred to the course of the heavenly bodies, the race, so it's the movement of the heavenly bodies. Um, and here it's figuratively applied to, uh, you know, like an Olympian race. Thus, um, we should probably put the two together, right? That those who have been appointed to the he- for the heavenly places are to finish their brief life under the cross. What does Paul know for certainty as he heads towards uh, Jerusalem for Pentecost? Yeah, he says it here in verse 25, that they will see his face no more. They will see his face no more. Why was Paul innocent of the blood of all men, which he says here in verse 26? Well, he, like all Christians, right, are hmm, declared righteous for Christ's sake. Okay? And from uh, this faith in Christ, he faithfully preached the full counsel of God um, to, to them and to all people that he met. If he hadn't preached this message of repentance and the forgiveness of sins faithfully, um, then he would actually share in the impenitence and unbelief of his hearers. Think about how many times the, the Jews had said, his blood be on us and on our children. We saw similar expressions here in the book of Acts. But you might also draw uh, from this, um, this language of blood and being guilty of blood from Ezekiel chapter 3 um, in the Watchmen. Now it came to pass at the end of the seven days that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you will surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, 
but here it is his blood I will require at your hand. Hmm. Yet if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. Right? So tell the truth. Right? Don't hold back. Tell the truth. Do it in love. Do it in the spirit of gentleness, but don't hold back. And there's Because there's actually a penalty for those who refuse to confess the truth, especially for the watchmen, for the pastors. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because you did not give him warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning. Also, you will have delivered your soul. All right? So this is a special um, instruction, particularly to the pastor, well, the prophets and then the pastors of the church, right? Do not hold back the word of God. Okay? Speak it boldly and truthfully, law and gospel. Uh, what does Paul counsel then these young pastors? <laughs> right? Okay, if he's got that Ezekiel text in mind, then the next part will make sense, which I uh, heard at an ordination installation on Sunday, right? Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, right? Uh, how how did Jesus use the same word of warning? Well, he does this frequently in uh, in the Gospels. Think Matthew seven ten, Matthew sixteen. He told the disciples to take heed and beware of, again using that flock language of false prophets, wolves in sheep's clothing, and false doctrines. Right, leaven and other ways that he talks about it. Um, now notice who he says made these men, Paul, and now this is Paul talking to the pastors of Ephesus. Who made these men overseers? Yeah, verse 28, God the Holy Spirit, right? And what's the connection between shepherding the church of God and the fact that it was purchased uh, by the blood of Christ? Right? This, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased by his own blood. For this, you really probably want to draw in the language of John chapter 10, which is known all too well. Um, but maybe you don't connect the blood and the shepherding. So let's do it. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling who is not a shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so now I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. All right, now, just in a few verses later, in the same chapter, he says this, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe, because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father um, am one. All right? So, we have the good shepherd, but he shepherds the sheep by laying down his life for them and calling him by his voice to follow him. So we have the same here with the overseers of the flock. They are to call the sheep 
through the faithful preaching of the true doctrine of the grace of God, that is, the doctrine of Christ who laid down his life for the sheep. Okay. Um, and then he, Paul gives a warning here, and you see this beginning in verse 29. Right? What's the warning? Yeah, that when he departs, savage wolves will come on, in among them, uh, among the flock, and men from their midst will rise up, again, false shepherds, right, with false doctrines, to speak, what does he say here? Speaking perverse things to draw away disciples um, to themselves. All right. So again, how can he preach with such certainty about these sort of things? Well, it's precisely what happened to Jesus, right? It had, but it also had happened to the prophets of the Old Testament, as Jesus reminds us. Um, I'll give you a couple examples of that. All right. So Matthew, say Matthew chapter um, five. You know the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Here it is. For so they persecuted the prophets uh, who were before you. Uh, he also says something in, similar in Matthew 7. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves, as we've talked about already. Um, how about Matthew 10? Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in the synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of of your Father who speaks um, in you. All right. Um, and there's more, but we'll leave it there. All right, so we have the example of the prophets, but we also have uh, the prophetic word of Jesus, and of course, the example of Jesus' own life. All right, and the next verse, verse 31, what are the two verbs there? Excuse me. Therefore, one word, watch, right? And what's the second verb? Remember, watch and remember. These are important words. We can hear these back in the gospel too, right? In regards to the shepherd and the sheep and the false shepherds and the false doctrine, right? Be watchful for the false shepherds, right? And remember, remember what? His works and his word, right? That he had done for their salvation. Lest they quickly forget them. His words and his work, right? Um, Now, how does Paul emphasize that warning? Yeah, for three years, he did not cease to warn everyone night and day uh, with tears. Okay, three years. Hey, that sounds familiar. Three, uh, that probably connects us well to uh, Christ's ministry, right? Who was, which was three years before his death, resurrection, and ascension, when the disciples would no longer see his face, much like Paul. So Paul sees the comparison here. All right. Uh, according to Paul, then, what would build them up uh, to give them the inheritance? says to you, I commend to you, or commend you to God and to the word of his grace, the word of the gospel, all right? That's what's going to build them up. It's going to bring them into the sanctification of forgiveness of sins, right? It is, the, it is our inheritance as a church, is the word of God, not our buildings, um, not our land, um, not any of the uh, accessories that we've added. It's the word of God that is our heritage. Okay. Um. What do you think the importance is of verses 33 
and 34 here about I coveted no one's silver or gold, I provided for my own necessities. Think about that for a moment. Um, back to Matthew 10, you know, that had the sheep and the shepherds. Notice too what um, Jesus said when he sent out the 12. Um, Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for the worker is worthy of his food. All right. So Paul, I think, is reflecting on that language, not simply saying that he supported his own ministry, right, but that he was content, um, his ministry sharing in the inheritance of the riches of God's grace. All right. So his emphasis wasn't on uh, material or financial gain, earthly gain, but rather on the delivery of the goods. Of course, he quotes Jesus' word if you needed, uh, needed that emphasized. It's right there in verse 35, right? It is more blessed to give than to receive, right? Of course, that's a, uh, that's a unique citation because um, it's not actually a direct quotation from the Gospels. Uh, it's probably, he says it's the Lord Jesus who said it. Uh, maybe Jesus said it to him, particularly in his ministry, uh, to Paul in um, uh, Damascus. or. It could just be uh, kind of a paraphrase or a summary or conflation of other texts from the Gospels. So I'll give you a few of those and you see what you think. Matthew 5, verse 42, Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow, you do not turn him away. All right, so that sounds familiar. Give to him who asks you. How about uh, Luke 6, verse 30? Give to everyone who asks you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you do to them also likewise. All right, that sounds familiar. It's very similar to the Matthew text. How about Matthew 10, verse 8, which is, again, that silver and gold section. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. It's possible, too, um, that we might look at an apocryphal text, meaning um, from those books in between, Old Testament and New Testament, usually included in in our Bibles until pretty recently. All right, so here's here it is. here's a quotation from Sirach, um, chapter four, verse thirty-one. Do not let your hand be stretched out to receive, and closed when it is time to give. All right, so that sounds kind of similar too. So uh, this is one of those situations where Paul remembers something. Uh, quotes gives it as a citation to Jesus, but maybe it was more of a, um, uh, you know, just a piece of wisdom that was passed among the apostles. Of course, this relates then um, back to verses 18 to 21, right, when he said, you know, from the first day I came to Asia, in what manner I lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, right? What's Paul doing here with it's more blessed to give than to receive? Directing them back to the to what he Uh, delivered to them, right? Preaching of repentance and the forgiveness of sins. It's more blessed for pastors to preach that than it is for them to receive their pay. Although receiving pay is a blessing, uh, but more more so for my family so that I can focus on the preaching of the gospel. All right, how does Paul conclude his brief homily? Scroll down so you can see it here. Yeah, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Uh, What is the pattern of St. Luke, who wrote the Acts of the Apostles, usage of the verb for uh, to fall upon, right? We have that here. They fell upon Paul's neck and kissed him. There does seem to be a pattern. Um, 
I don't want to read through all the text, but I'll just give you some of the examples of them, right? There seems to uh, there seems to be such a pattern. You have the prodigal returning in repentance and the father falls on the son's neck and kisses him. Very much the same as what we see here. Um, the spirit falls upon those in Samaria and the Gentiles of Cornelius' household, as we heard in Acts 8. Paul falls upon Eutychus before raising him from the dead, which we heard um, just a couple days ago. Uh, finally, those who have heard the word fall upon the neck of Paul, the preacher of Christ who calls prodigals back home. Right, So we have it. Again, the prodigal son back in the gospel. We have the spirit falling upon Samaria and the Gentiles and Cornelius' household. Um, and then in the last chapter, chapter 19, we have fall, Paul falling upon Eutyches with the forgiveness of sins and resurrection there of the body. And now they're falling upon Paul as they've called, as he's called them home to the Father. Of course, what caused the Ephesian pastor's sorrow? Yeah, the words which he spoke, right? That he would see them no more. Paul's words to the pastors of the church are clear. We are to preach only the death, that is repentance, and resurrection, that is forgiveness, of Jesus. These are the warnings against false prophets are still appropriate today. And so the false prophets must always be revealed through the clear preaching of the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. Even the way that the elders say farewell to Paul by falling upon his neck and weeping is a reminder of the Heavenly Father's desire to forgive his children and gather them into his house. Since Paul had been a prodigal who was drawn back by the love of the Father, he reminds them to be vigilant over the flock who will be attacked by false teachers. While the laborer is worthy of his hire, the true inheritance that it is more blessed to give is the word of the Father's grace that supports the weak. Very good. All right, let's confess the second article of the Apostles' Creed. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he has risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. All right, we pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, in the second article of the Creed, you teach us that your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is the greatest gift of your love for us. He is truly God, begotten of you from eternity, and he is truly man, born of the Virgin Mary. He has become our Lord and Savior by redeeming us from all sins, death, and from the power of the devil, with his holy precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death. We no longer belong to the devil. Sin and death have no power over us. Jesus did all this that we might be his own and that we might live under him in his kingdom, in the protection and safety of his everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness for all eternity. For all that Jesus has done for us, we give you thanks and praise. Forgive us for trusting in any work of our own for salvation. Forgive us for doubting your love and the precious gift of forgiveness we have in Jesus. Grant us, through the grace of your only begotten Son, to believe with absolute confidence that our Our sins are forgiven and that we stand righteous before you for Jesus' sake, because he has risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity. 
This is most certainly true through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. On this Thursday, we pray for the church and her pastors, for missionaries, teachers, deaconesses, and other servants of Christ and his church, for the fruitful and salutary use of the blessed sacrament of the Lord's body and blood. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. We pray in Thanksgiving today with Doug, who celebrates his birthday, with Jean, who celebrates her baptism, with uh, my daughter Elizabeth and future son-in-law Tyler as they prepare for their wedding Saturday. Pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment and recovering, especially Tristan, Marcella, Jeremy, Kelsey, Amanda, John, Timothy, and Janice, Sandy, Ken, and Kaylee, our homebound Bev, David, Roy, Willis, and Janice, and Mickey, the missions and mercy work of the church, especially Compassion International, and also for those grieving Jim at the death of his brother Roy. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Lord of all power and might, author and giver of all good things, graft into our hearts the love of your name, increase in us true religion, and nourish us with all goodness, and of your great mercy keep us in the same. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, for our hymn today, um, let's re- let's sing stanzas six and seven. We'll just do two today, um, given that we had some internet difficulties and that was a longer reading. All right, so stanzas six and seven. Since Christ has full heart on and made and brought to us salvation, each Christian therefore may be glad and build on this foundation. Your grace alone, dear Lord, I plead. Your death is now life indeed, for you have. Amen. Uh-huh.
All right, there we go. That's our congregation of prayer for today, July 15th, 2021. Good to have you with us here today. Sorry for a few interruptions there. Um, not really sure, but uh, tried a few different servers. By the time we got to the third one, uh, it seemed to work okay. So thankfully, I'm able to switch between them. That seems to be the best way to resolve that problem in the future. All right. So uh, Lord be with you all. Keep you safe. We'll see you again tomorrow for our congregation of prayer.